eventually slowly beginning to open up to some of my friends who were also raised in the same very heavy purity culture, same church, you know, some of them were also homeschooled yeah. and kind of just saying like, is it this horrible for you? And finding out all of my best friends who were raised the same way, who committed so strongly to what we were taught had the same problems. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig News Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by my new friend, Carissa Shaw. Carissa is a pastor's kid and former pastor's wife who left behind a life of church work to pursue healing and finding who she is apart from who she was told she should be. On top of being an online food content creator, Carissa uses her platform on Instagram and TikTok to share her journey of recovery from spiritual abuse, purity culture, Christian homeschooling, losing a parent to COVID, and much more. I so appreciated Carissa's openness and vulnerability. Her willingness to share her journey with me and now you is most definitely a gift. If you want to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now. You can find a consistent conversation happening on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig News Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Carissa Shaw. I had this thought when I was watching one of your TikToks recently, where you were talking about purity culture, and it struck me this concept that we were taught when we were kids about, well, it's in the New Testament, this being in the world, but not of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that what evangelicalism might be struggling with the most now is that culture can't be kept from us. Right. So whether or not you're homeschooled or something else, you're going to be introduced to other people mm-hmm. and those other people don't fit the description that we might've internalized when we were kids. Yes. Right. And yes. so all of that stuff is almost like the misinformation is being exposed and they can't control it. So I don't know. What was your experience like of waking up to what purity culture was, especially as someone who was homeschooled and was kept from being Mm -hmm. in the world the way a lot of other people are able to just engage with the world? They did a very good job. My family, my church did a very good job of keeping me in the bubble because I was, a lot of people, you hear stories that they maybe were in this very, um, like restrictive kind of household or culture with their church. And then they go to college. Well, I didn't go to college. I wasn't encouraged to go to college because I was a girl. So it was like a waste of money um, because I just needed to get married and have babies. That was the goal. Of course. Um, (laughs) So I was really kept in the bubble much longer than a lot of people. It wasn't until my early thirties that I actually started getting out and making friends. And a lot of things that happened in my life, a huge shift had happened in my life and left full-time ministry. And I was working at a jewelry store, Hmm. um, selling jewelry. And one of my best friends there was a gay man. And he just, also my boss, um, she and her partner actually got married during the time that I worked there. And I went to their wedding as an evangelical Christian. And of course I asked my pastor what he thought, you know, all of this, I'm so (laughs) nervous. Like, is this okay? Am I condoning sin? Like, is this okay to do? And I went to that wedding and I remember leaving thinking, I just felt 
peace. And it was just such a wonderful family environment and just celebrating this love. I don't see how this could be wrong. <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me now that I'm actually being exposed to like people that I would not have met otherwise, mm. or that would have been very, very much in the closet in my communities. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. For like love to be celebrated openly that way. Mm. And that began to unravel a lot of things for me. And the purity culture messaging came along with all of the undoing of everything that I had just taken for granted. I was taught this and I believed it. Mm. And I began to see how it just wasn't working. It wasn't working in my life. I had a lot of issues because of very heavy purity culture indoctrination Mm. and being raised in in a very fundamentalist homeschooling cult, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, with the principle of courtship and not even being allowed to date like a normal person wow. and pretty much marrying the first person that my parents approved of, who is a wonderful person. We're not married anymore, but he's a wonderful person and mm. um, was a great friend, but it was just you know, it was almost, I heard someone say recently, it almost felt like an arranged marriage. And I, I identified with that. It was like an arranged marriage, even though it wasn't. That Um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. How did you meet? We met in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. He's actually from Kansas, Hmm. but, and I'm from Ohio, Pennsylvania, both actually. And we met in Phoenix, Arizona at what we now just call the cult. And it was actually, (laughs) it was, uh, ministry training program i use all of those words very loosely wow um called master's commission okay okay so people would come straight up straight out of high school or young adults at different points would come and spend nine months or more depending on if they really liked you they would want to keep you forever and i was there for three years before i left whoa um, yeah three years and that's was he there that whole time as well he was yes okay okay so were Um, you courting during that time yeah not the whole time the first year that you were there you were not allowed to date at all or really have any contact with members like like i couldn't be around other males or yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah, i couldn't be around guys without specific permission and specific reason i couldn't really talk in any way that wasn't you know controlled and monitored but after that, you could ask permission to date someone. So as who would you soon as ask? We, who, who did I? Who would you ask oh, for oh, permission? Who, permission, I get Um, Because I was thinking, who did I ask to date? Which <laughs> <laughs> as, soon, as soon as we were allowed to date, everyone's like, whoa. Floodgates <laughs> open. Yes, yeah. exactly. So there were yeah. a lot of people that I was probably asking. But sure. we had to sit with the dean of students and ask permission of him. And if he agreed, then we had to sit there in the room with the Dean of Students and call our parents on speakerphone and ask permission. So I had to speak with my ex-husband's mother and wow. she, <laughs> she's so funny and she made it difficult on me. She made it really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> and then my ex-husband had to call my parents and ask their permission. And to date, I don't to date. Yes, just to date. Yeah. And this is part of the problem too, is that when you have to go through such a process to even date, there were so many expectations. And when people broke up, then it was a big deal. And so you felt like a failure. You felt like you were getting engaged and then breaking off an engagement. If you broke up, like it was more than just dating to see if you like this person, yeah. um, to see if you click, there was none of that. You were just kind of pushed into this very serious relationship 
with someone you really don't know because you weren't allowed to have much interaction with them. Right. So I knew him from a distance. I knew him mostly because my roommate, my previous roommate had had a huge crush on him and had like pictures of him under her pillow. So that's, (laughs) and I was her accountability partner and would remind her (laughs) that we're not supposed to be thinking about um, guys like this. And so that's mostly what I knew of him. (laughs) So she had probably very modest pictures of this guy right? Just under her pillow, just dreaming about him. And your job was to tell her that that's not okay. Yes. I had to keep reminding her to keep her heart pure. Yeah. You were were guarding her heart. You were guarding her heart. And I was, I was okay at it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you probably have similar feelings, right? You must have felt so weird. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not about him. Oh, not about him. But just in general. About other, yes. About other guys, of course. Like we were 18, 19 years old and there were. Okay. So you're, you're 18, 19, and you're asking your, you're asking the dean of students, whatever that means, because it's yeah, not a school, exactly. really. No. Right. So the dean yeah. of students to get permission so that you can speak to your your parents and that person's parents while you're in their office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Epic. Not not strange at all. And then to take it even further, then the um, director of the program would bless the the dating relationship. And then you had to have a mentor couple. So you had to pick a couple because there were married couples in the program who were on staff at the cult. Um, (laughs) And then they would mentor you. And before you could go on a date, you had to tell them where you were going. You had to report back when you got back from your date. But when they officially blessed the relationship, they would, we call it declaring. Okay. So inside these weird programs you end up with a lot of strange terms for things that don't exist in the rest of the world so we would always talk about oh that couple's going to get declared um there's going to be a declaration (laughs) so strange (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it (laughs) yeah uh and it was a big deal and at some gathering where all, all the members of the cult were together um the director of the program would bring you on stage and declare you as an official couple and then all of the the leadership would pray over you and then you were officially allowed to be around each other well then um, that's so much that's so, so much. much yes yeah. so of course you felt like it was an arranged marriage because yeah. if you break that relationship up that that's like a marriage ceremony yes absolutely and there was just i don't think we thought of it that way then but now looking back i'm like wow of course there was so much pressure I was just like, I just like this guy. I think he's cute and he's really fun and he has a nice car and I'm 19. So it's like, <laughs> you know, he, wow. I just was looking for a friend, um, mostly I think. And yeah. he's a great friend and we sure. enjoy being together. Sure. That doesn't make a marriage. You no. know, we should no. have been able to have a, a regular relationship and eventually figured out we weren't the best fit for each other in a lot of ways. Sure. But we didn't realize that. And it was, how could you? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know his experience of everything in the marriage. We were married for 18 years. Okay. So we really hung on for a long, long, long time, even though it was like, the, uh, you know, but it wasn't horrible. Yeah. We, it was like, what reason do we really have to divorce? Because nothing horrendous is happening yeah. in the marriage. There's no abuse or anything like that, but we just weren't, uh, you know, it was just like being married to your friend and that's it. Oh. And which, that's where, which you would never get the blessing of that group of people to be like, okay, we understand this just didn't work out the way that you 
had hoped we right. bless now your your separation from each other. Yeah. This just no. It was always when someone would break up, it was always a huge ordeal, and eventually someone would be shunned in a way. Well, not in a way. There were like kind of a shunning sort of process that people would go through, and they would get excommunicated from the program. And because they is, broke up. Yeah, or there would always be someone that would get blamed. You know. Yeah, of course. For breaking up, usually the person who looked the best and had the most talent, especially if you could sing, you were fine. No one was going to question you because if you could sing, because we were a part of a mega church. Okay. So well, if you could, it was at the time it was Phoenix First Assembly. Um, okay. now I think it's Dream City Church. Something they've rebranded. So but is it a particular denomination? Assemblies of God. Oh, it's AG. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was born and raised in the AG and worked for the Assemblies of God for over a decade actually wow so yeah that's that was kind of my my world but okay okay yeah so eventually as i deconstructed my faith in general the purity culture messaging that i had received and all of the rules and things that i had believed just began to fall away yeah and i just one day was like this doesn't make sense anymore i don't think this is I don't think dating is a sin. <laughs> I don't think having sex if you're not married is a problem. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't under, this doesn't make sense why this would be an issue actually. Yeah. And I was by that point, probably 35, 36. So I was kind of late in the game compared yeah, but to a lot of people. I know this is something I've come <laughs> across for myself too, right? Cause now we, it sounds like we're around the same age and we both came to some of these realizations in like our 30s which mm -hmm. feels so late but we didn't get to experience the world the way other people just get to experience it mm -hmm. until much later yes exactly so I, like I it just, is hard because i was like I I'm a, right i'm a late yeah. bloomer but like what does that even mean? Maybe I wouldn't have been had I give, been given different circumstances. Who knows? I think that's true for me, for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. there are some things that shock me now. Um, I'm 41. Okay. So looking back on things as a, a grown adult, thinking of myself as a baby adult child, basically mm -hmm. trying yes. to figure things out. There were so many things I didn't know. I never received any sort of sex education at all. Nope. So I didn't know. I like, I didn't know I was having sex when I was really, like, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know how any of it worked. Really. Of course not. Of course not. I didn't. I, there's so many things I didn't know. And there's, um, things that wow. shock me now to think I was 18 years old and didn't know how certain things worked. Yeah. Real right. basic things. Right. And so will remember... you, because you were homeschooled. So mm -hmm. like, you're not getting that kind of education from your parents. Nothing. Yeah. Just, this is bad unless you're married. Don't even think about it. Don't, you know, right. So this, the messaging <laughs> is that sex is beautiful, but not if you're unmarried. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're supposed to get married and just figure it out. But that's not yeah. how it works for women's bodies. And of course. Our brains. Of course. When you've shut things down, even for just a few years, because I was 21 when I got married. Yeah. Um, so I really wasn't until I was like 17, 18, that I began to become aware of any of it um, right. at all or interested right. or thinking like, what exactly is this? Because yeah. I might be interested. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a lot of years that I, I mean, I know some people begin to become more aware of, of sex and sexuality much younger, but sure. for me, I was 17, 18 before I started even thinking no, about it. No, that makes sense. And, and sex in our culture in like, evangelical 
and extra evangelical what sounds like what you grew up <laughs> yes. extra, yeah especially yeah um sex is patriarchal so it's about the man like it's all like very scripted it's like well we do this thing pretty briefly once i'm done we're done yep right so it's not yeah. about pleasure it's not about your pleasure certainly and right. so like that is a big part of the purity culture message which isn't even spoken it's just mm -hmm. understood and exactly. so like you've probably you know women that grow up the way that you did have this longer road to understanding their bodies the experience mm -hmm. of sex being intimate is just yeah. taken from you uh, until you discover it and it's such a tragedy actually because um and this is very this is very personal hopefully no one minds hearing this but um i experienced something called vaginismus Mm. which we're talking about a lot more now, but it is basically an involuntary contraction of the muscles, which makes intercourse some, for some people completely impossible. Wow. Um, but for most of us, just extremely painful. Wow. And yeah. And it doesn't get better um, without, usually it doesn't get better without therapy Okay. Um, because you don't have control over it. It's involuntary. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, I thought this was going to be really different than it is. This is kind of awful. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. um, eventually wow. slowly beginning to open up to some of my friends who were also raised in the same very heavy purity culture, same church. You know, some of them were also homeschooled yeah. and kind of just saying like, is it this horrible for you? And finding out all of my best friends who were raised the same way, who committed so strongly to what we were taught had the same problems. Wow. And one of my closest friends, her doctor told her, just get pregnant. And when you have a baby, it'll, everything will get fixed, <laughs> which is stupid. Um, none of I our mean, doctors understood what we were going through at all. No, of course not. Well, first and of all, thank that, yeah. you so much for sharing that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, it is, you were in a cult. I mean, that's clear. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we all, a lot of us were that grew, grew up in evangelicalism, but you had it in a way that, is seems pretty intense and yes. is like a your brain was f was formed in a way where it disconnected from your body your body's mm -hmm. stuff what your body goes through that's natural was bad and yes. so it like trained itself to protect you from this thing mm -hmm. that you were told was bad yep that's exactly what it is wow. um the psychology behind it is so clear that that's exactly what's happening when you've been taught that this is wrong and you want to be good. You know, you don't yes. want to be looked at as like, ugh, you know, what are you doing? Um, you don't want people to judge you. I mean, people judging you about something so personal as like sex and the choices you make around that, that's so hurtful and scary yes. as a woman. Cause you feel like your whole, your whole worth <laughs> as a woman is wrapped up in this thing. Wow. And so it makes sense that our bodies have received the message and our bodies are like, okay, this is, Okay, we got it. Got the yes. message. Um, and wow. so I never really made the connection because I dealt with this into well into my 30s. Um, mm. And so it was just never a thing that went away. I just thought there's just a problem with me. Oh. And then I realized um, probably around 35, 36, it just went away. Just gone. Hmm. Just went away. I didn't have the issues any anymore, which I thought was very strange. And yeah. then it was until a couple of years ago that I heard about vaginismus and realized that's exactly what I was going through. Mm. And all of a sudden realized that the same time that I really deconstructed those purity culture messages and was just one day pretty much just woke up. and was like, this doesn't make sense anymore. I don't think this makes sense. 
um, I just let it go pretty much. Um, and that is the same time that those physical manifestations of basically the abuse that I had endured, um, just went away. So it was very connected. And when I lost that belief, I lost the shame Mm. that was connected with being a sexual person, you know, um, with having a body and being okay with experiencing pleasure yeah. when I was able to accept those things about myself, because I wasn't in fear anymore that God was disgusted by me. Um, things wow. changed wow. in big ways. That's amazing. That's yeah. really amazing. I, I want to add, yeah. I just want to add for any women that might listen. Yeah. It doesn't always work that way. It is okay to need therapy and need to go through a process. That is okay. I don't ever want to make it sound like Oh, you can just, you know, let go of your purity <laughs> culture ideas that easily yeah. and you'll be fine. It's not that easy for everyone. No, so I want to no. be clear about that. Thank you for that. And we are both probably very wary of anything that sounds like a miracle. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not because it was probably a longer process of deconstructing within your own mind that, you know, we mm-hmm. don't have access to, or even you might not even be that aware of that. Like you're, mind was going through this constant shift you know it's hard to just say like oh it just didn't make sense one day but Mm -hmm. that's because multiple things were being pulled away at certain times yes um but that's amazing and also i just it makes me think about you know this you brought up that god you thought god might be disgusted with you which is probably something you thought often but Mm -hmm. also that you like so many others i'm assuming hear from people that you were never a real Christian. Yeah, of course. So for someone like you that hears that, what goes through your mind? Are you kind of at this point, you're like, whatever, I don't care. Or does, does that hit you personally in some way? How do you respond to those kinds of accusations? I don't really, well, I used to respond because (laughs) mostly because I thought this is foolish. Like, (laughs) are you kidding? You don't know anything about me or what I've been through or what I've done in my life and how committed I was. Um, But you're going to say that I was never a real Christian. That just feels so easy and silly. Um, And it doesn't personally bother me, mostly because at this point, I don't care that much anymore. That's just where I'm at in the journey. I'm not really, I don't, I'm not too worried about it. I'm just telling my stories and if people want to listen, great. If they don't, I can block them. It's no problem. Amazing. But um, it used to bother me because I also was just like, are you kidding? Do you think I would have gone through all of this in my life? Hmm. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a writer um, I wanted, or a journalist. Like in some way I wanted to pursue things that I gave up um semi willingly it's hard to say willingly because i was so influenced um to not want to go to college um instead just to go to a ministry training program if yeah husband. you didn't have uh, a choice that's not no, a choice not really yeah. Yeah. yeah i chose based on the bad options that i had available to me right right but i i did it and i tried to do my best in all of that. And I followed the plan. I played by the rules mostly occasionally, <laughs> occasionally I didn't so much occasionally. Play by the rules. <laughs> there were a few things, but for the most part, um, I really tried and I not only did all of that, but then I became the pastor's wife and did my very best to influence other young girls 
to live the same way I had been living, which is just terrible. Mm. Uh, Not my favorite topic, but yeah, yeah, I was one that perpetuated all of it, all of those teachings. And then I went to work for the Assemblies of God at 25 years old and Mm. worked for the Assemblies of God for the better part of my life. I, there were a few breaks in the middle when I moved or whatever, but, um, went to work in a different district and left in the, before 2020, I can't remember exactly when, but it was before 2020 that I was done. And so I committed my life to this. I was in church every Sunday. I was, everything about my life revolved around church. Sure. I, you're going to say, I didn't believe I was never a true Christian. Like, what does that even mean? That's it's ridiculous. just, it's a way for them to appease their own confusion yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. But I think what a lot of people don't understand when you're around our age, which I'm 42, you know, mm-hmm. and you've lived your entire life and dedicated, dedicated it to this thing. And your career was based on that thing. Then you're faced with, well, what, what, what do I do now? What am I supposed to do? Like I was a pastor. You were a pastor's wife. You worked for a Christian denomination. Now, where do you, now we know like we have skills. We know that we have stuff that we can offer, but it's just this, you're left with, well, everything is blown up. Like marriage is over. Um, That means probably family disconnections. So then you're faced with all of these questions that you have no guidance for. Right. Have you felt some of that and where have you found some kind of peace or like, um, I don't know, direction for yourself along the road? You talk in some of your TikToks about making decisions for yourself. I know how that's freeing, but it's also unnerving, I'm sure, too. Yes. So what does that look what does that look like for you? It is it is definitely freeing and also scary at the same time, because I yeah. definitely don't know who will, what I want to do or I'm just kind of working to survive at this point. Yeah. Um, I have my own business, but so I was able to kind of get into something that's not necessarily what I want to do. And it's absolutely exhausting me. Mm. So I would like to go different directions, but exa- what do I do? I have no right. education to put on my resume. I'm not going to put master's commission on my resume. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> that that well, would yeah. you should just put a whole bunch of bullets of what you just right. described and people will just want you. <laughs> To have you in there out of intrigue. I think intrigue. so. They'd be like, this person <laughs> sounds very normal. Sure, let's talk to her. <laughs> um, it was actually years ago that I realized, no, you can't put that on your resume. <laughs> but you I had previously, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. yeah. When right. I was still very much on the inside. Of course, when I was applying for jobs with Christian organizations. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, cool. Right. <sighs> but anymore, no, absolutely no. can't do that. Yeah. Um, but yes, trying to figure out who I am and where I belong is... Uh, quite the struggle right now. And I knew I needed to go through this process and just undo everything that had been done. Yeah. Um, and so 2021 was a huge year of undoing um, with getting divorced. And mm. my dad, who was a pastor from before I was born, he was a youth pastor and then became a lead pastor when I was maybe two years old. And there was always in full-time ministry. He was pastoring up until he died in 2021 of COVID. Mm. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. yeah, which he got from church. So there's that. Um, yeah. yeah. So I went through the process over three, three weeks of watching my dad die. And the last couple of days, mercifully, this sounds so terrible to say that it was a good thing we were able to be with him and watch yeah. that happen. But most people can't be with their loved ones. 
So, Especially over these last few years. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, so they took mercy on us and had us in a COVID ICU unit for two mm. days. My wow. mom and my brother, my brother came up from Georgia and we were there with my dad. Um, but that was extremely traumatic. And um, so I'm mm. glad we were able to be there with him and talking to him until the very end. But um, very traumatizing, <laughs> to say yeah. the least. And yeah. my life has been upside down ever since with selling my house and um, moving to a new place and moving, actually moving into my own apartment for the first time in my adult life. I had never lived alone ever without other adults. My daughter lives here. She's with her dad part of the time and with me part of the time. But mm. um, there were times when she would go with her dad early on after I first moved and I would be completely alone in my apartment and thinking, I'm alone. I've never lived in a place without another adult, adult other adults. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was new. And I used to always think how sad and scary that sounded to me. Now oh. I've gotten over that. It was good time for me to be able to just be alone and process and yep. think through a lot of things. But um, <laughs> yeah, so there's been quite a bit. I lost pretty much all of my friends. I have a few that kind of still are, will talk to me, but you know, relationships are strained. The majority of my friendships now are online because of meeting people in the sort of evangelical deconstruction community <laughs> through TikTok and Instagram. Um, originally, it was Facebook groups, but mm -hmm. I don't really do that. I don't really go there anymore if I can help it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, definitely through TikTok, that is where I found a, a lot of people who have supported me so much through mm. the last very difficult year and a half, two years of my life. And I'm really grateful for that. I am trying to figure out how to make friends here where I live uh, yeah. and find community here. That's challenging. It was so easy before when you just relied on church to provide exactly. you with community exactly. and not having that. Now I don't know quite how to make friends, but I am trying. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that because it is so challenging. It's like you're starting over completely mm. friends, like just all of it is just removed. And I have to say the online community has been a real source of joy and solidarity for me too. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, it is everything, your whole world just gone. Yep. Everything. And then, yeah. And then now you're living on your own. That's a lot. So mm -hmm. a lot of the people that I talk to who have recently left do share this kind of sadness about missing community. Mm -hmm. which we all do. Who doesn't miss connection? Mm -hmm. But the connection was centered not around you, Carissa. Mm -hmm. It was centered around, well, I less of me, more of him. Mm -hmm. And so like you're, it's a weird community, which is why people aren't sticking with you because it was never about right. that in the first place. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It was all about this thing that we shared in common. But when right. that thing in common is gone, there's nothing else there. Which, which is, is why, yeah, which is why when, you know, in my experience, I used to work with an interfaith organization as a mm -hmm. pastor, and we found a bond beyond our own particular faith traditions, mm -hmm. which, you know, in evangelicalism is not okay. No. <laughs> right. And that, and it makes sense why, because it, it's that cult mind that once you step mm -hmm. out of it, they're worried that you're going to leave, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Introduce us to people from outside our perspective. And sure enough, we don't think that our shit doesn't stink mm -hmm. and that, you know, we are the best thing going. Right. 
So now as a person who's left all that, uh, how do you, I'm assuming you get the question that we all do. What do you believe and how do you identify spiritually? What does that look like for you now? I know it's a question you must receive, but I'm always curious on the other end of this thing. Do you think about spirituality? Is it something that's at all interesting to you? Are you like, I think I'm done with this at least for a while and I don't even want to think about it. What does it look like for you? Yeah, people do ask me that a lot because I think I confuse people because I share, um, often will share a lot of atheist content and then I'll share some very progressive Christian content. Yeah. I talk about Christianity a lot because that's my background, but I personally don't care. Just, I just don't care. So it, it, I, I might one day care again. At mm -hmm. this point, I'm not really even questioning what I believe or don't believe because I just don't. I just don't care. I'm yeah. just trying to pay my rent. So <laughs> I'm just working constantly to try to make ends meet. So I don't really care so much about um, defining what I believe or don't believe. Um, I don't define myself as an atheist because I just don't care that much. Mm -hmm. I, uh, mm -hmm. I would definitely be considered agnostic um, yeah. because I don't know and I don't know that we can know. So I'm just setting it aside. Yeah. But I still like to talk about it. Um, I do actually still like to go to church. Sometimes it's been a long time. Um, yeah. Last year, I visited a Unitarian Universalist church nice. a couple of times and loved it. Yeah. I still find so much comfort in that kind of a gathering, and especially when people are introducing themselves with their pronouns and mm. you know they begin with land acknowledgments and are very connected to what's going on in the community and um, talking about uh, community action and the things that they're doing are actually making a positive impact instead of just having a potluck for the fun of it. Yes. Um, I really love that kind of environment. And before I moved, I was a, occasionally attending an, Episcop an Episcopal church. Yeah. Um, and the priest is fantastic. She's on TikTok and I love to watch her content. And she talks a lot about um, you know, things from a very progressive Christian uh, perspective, her I, nerdy priest, I think is what she's okay. called mother, Rachel. I'll um, check her out. She, yeah, she's fantastic. It. And her husband, Lehman, um, mayor Lovecraft is the mayor of the town. So <laughs> awesome. I, they're just, they're so fun and smart. <laughs> and I just love, love hearing from them. So I loved attending that church and just going kind of through the tradition and mm. experiencing the Eucharist in that way. I had never experienced before. No, I not an AG. No way. No. Yeah. It was all very different. And just yeah. even the liturgical, like the church calendar, I'd never really understood how any of that worked. So it was very interesting to me, mm -hmm. but belief wise, that's not so much there. It's more the tradition yeah. and yeah. the practice of it feels very calming and gives me a chance to just have something in my week that's consistent because yeah. the rest of my schedule is just so all over the place. And I like being around other people. Yeah. Even if I don't talk to anyone, I just like being in a room with other people because I work from home and I'm alone a lot. Yeah. So I still like church. Yeah. I just don't have maybe the the belief necessary necessarily to go to go with it. And I also would not be interested in attending any church that wasn't welcoming of all. And, you know, if any church was teaching theology that is harmful, I'm not going to be a part of that. But Absolutely. that's kind of where I am. I'm like an agnostic. Sometimes it's kind of fun to dabble in going to church kind of person. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, that's really that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense to me because we still do care about 
a lot of the justice things that were connected to our faith tradition, but we can leave all the other stuff and just not even care about it for a while. Most yeah. people, if you didn't grow up, so I did ex have part of my life in the Assemblies of God tradition, mm -hmm. formative years, the zero to 11. Um, oh. So did all the things, slain in the spirit, you know, like we used to judge other traditions if they didn't worship the way that we did and all that sort of stuff. So little you would never have been able to imagine going to like a Episcopal church because oh, no. we saw them as like dead faith wise, mm -hmm. right? Yep. You know, so like it's probably hard for a lot of people that didn't grow up with that brand of evangelicalism to understand how different it is. Yeah. Like that there's, there's, people taking off their shoes and dancing in the aisles and <laughs> like flying flags. Yep. And on top of that, you're made to think that the world that doesn't do that is crazy or mm. wrong. Yeah. And it, it's just so, it's so much to untangle. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, like a really healthy process of just like, yeah, I like this. Uh, I'm not sure what to do with that. And we'll see where that goes. To me, yeah. that sounds pretty healthy. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of people who really want to process the details and come out with some sort of here's what I think. So for instance, the question of did Jesus ever even exist? Yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of people kind of debating that. Yeah. I could not be less interested. Yeah, I just absolutely. could not care less. I yeah. don't care if he did or if he didn't. If yep. there's something for me to gain from the teachings, then great. I will gain something. If yeah. not, I don't need to. And I'm yeah. just not that worried about it. <laughs> that is an interesting yeah. one that I find. I don't question whether or not he existed. And I understand why people do. I think mm -hmm. that the reason people do that they even bother coming to that place is because of the hurt they've experienced. Right. So they need this person to not exist. Yes. So if they can yeah. prove he doesn't exist, then, well you really have nothing to stand on the people that hurt you that hurt mm -hmm. you um so i get it and i'm not interested in trying to convince anyone of anything i have the yeah. things that i think but who like i i always say i don't need anything to be true now yeah that's how i am as well yeah, yeah. it doesn't affect me in any way if someone was to tell me okay here's definitely what happened <laughs> it's not really going to impact my life in any way yeah i just don't yeah i just don't care that much <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's that's beautiful. I mean, and that's like that's. I remember when I was going through when I was leaving my church, and I also, you know, happened. I was married too for uh, seventeen years. You know, all similar things. Um, I went through this process w with my denomination where they were like, "Okay, so where are you at with God right now?" This was like a couple months after I left. I'm like, I gotta be honest. I don't even think about it. <laughs> like, I don't even know what that means. I'm just kind of living my mm -hmm. life. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. I don't trying, I don't even know how to define that. Why do we need to it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm trying to figure yeah. out what it means to be a human being. I that's sometimes it. feel bad because people will talk about the struggle of maybe deconstructing the theology of hell and ah, the, yeah. the fear and everything associated with that. And I just think I was literally in church in a Southern Baptist church that I had been attending. Mm. Um, watching the words on the screen during worship and thinking in my head, of course, I'm not really singing, but I'm just kind of watching and thinking there's no hell. Like it doesn't, <laughs> I, this doesn't make sense at all. It's just, it's as if the beliefs sort of just flew away one day mm. and I went from believing something to like all of a sudden going, I don't even have any belief in that anymore. I don't even have a fear associated with it because I just don't even 
it's like it's gone. The belief that's is just gone. Amazing. And do you, and that's, I guess do you it's just how my brain that, works. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> do you tribute that though to those relationships that you talked about at the jewelry store? Like did, did just being connected to people outside of your world, your worldview or your experience start to just like take a sledgehammer to that foundation or I don't know. What do you mm -hmm. think? I think that's where it began for yeah. sure. Yeah. And just the concept of there's no possible way that if there is a loving God that I could love his creation more than he clearly does. Oof. That that doesn't make sense. Um, so that was one of the first things that happened of like, if I care about my friends here, you know, in the, in the jewelry store where I'm working, I only worked there for seven months, but it made such an impact on me. Yeah. Um, if I care more about them and their, their love and their happiness in their life than God does, then I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. Um, so that's definitely where it began, but then also beginning to hear a lot of things for a little while. It was like, I could not get enough information. I discovered podcasts and mm. back then everything was about the liturgist podcast. Yeah. Like the first season or two. Science Mike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I had met Michael Gunger several times because of the work that I did um, it, for the Assemblies of God. I right. worked in the youth department. So we often, I would often book him to come in and lead worship for different oh, events. Wow. Yeah. So I had met him several times. I don't expect that he would remember that, but. Because well, his dad was an AG pastor, wasn't <laughs> he? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so he would, and he was one of my favorites to come and lead worship. I just loved like some of the songs, like ancient skies and different ones. I'd be like, can you make sure you play this song? <laughs> but anyhow, that's, so I saw he was doing a podcast on like Facebook. I think we were friends on Facebook and wow. I saw that and I was like, oh, I should listen to that. And I already knew who Rachel Held Evans was. Mm. And I started listening to her books on Audible as I would drive. I had to drive an hour to my job at the Assemblies of God headquarters in Ohio. Wow. Um, each way. Wow. So two hours a day, I was consuming podcasts and books wow. and um, just started anything that, that I would hear from those podcasts or from those people um, about other authors. I would yep. start reading their books and listening to anything that they were a guest on a podcast, I listened to it. And I felt like insatiable. I could not get enough. Yeah. I was constantly listening to something or reading something for a couple of years. I was mm. just like a starved person who's just, yeah. you know, getting as much information as I could. And at a certain point, I started to hear so many things, so many conflicts in scripture that I was like, oh, I never heard this before. Oh, I didn't know um, the son of God. Like, I didn't know where that came from. I didn't know where, you know, the virgin birth. There's so many things that this is connected to other places and times in history and starting to see some of those things that I'm like, this is inconsistent. At some point, it just, none of it made sense anymore. And things just kind of whoop, lifted. So it's not like there was not a lot of work done beforehand, but I didn't really have to wrestle when it really came down to what do I believe? I just, as soon as I would have a thought, I'd be like, I don't believe in this anymore. And that was it. And I walked away from it. Mm. So, you know, the theology of hell, for example, I have ever since that point, I've never been afraid. Am I getting it wrong? Am I going to go to hell? Because I don't believe in it. So yes. I'm not afraid of going to somewhere that I am very convinced does not exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's it. The similar, it sounds like we had a very similar, especially time period and process. I ate that stuff up. Science Mike, the liturgist, mm -hmm. and probably similar to you, felt alone. I was in Bible studies. I was a lead, I was music 
leader at a Southern Baptist church um, for seven years and having all the, I was in seminary at the same time, just trying to figure everything out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, none of this is really adding up. I'm dedicating my whole life to this. My full-time job was dedicated. You know, like I worked with people experiencing homelessness. So everything was, I want to take this as seriously as possible. And I thanked my mother the other day, who's, who's an evangelical fundamentalist. I was like, thank you for introducing me to Jesus because I, like you told me to follow him with everything. And he got me out of what I think <laughs> was the worst thing for my mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not, I know that wasn't the intention, but I feel so much more grateful for Jesus getting me out of the thing that, you know, people claim is all about him. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, yeah. And, and especially during that time that I was really heavily deconstructing, I was still very attached to Jesus, the person yeah. of Jesus, the idea, the teachings, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I hear what you're saying. It's like I'm following Jesus through this deconstruction journey and I'm following him right out of evangelical. Right on out. <laughs> and now I don't like, I just, the way I describe myself is just, um, I'll say I'm a person of faith who's been heavily influenced by the life and teachings of Jesus as I understand them only because that's the truth. My entire life was centered around this guy that I was supposed to worship. So mm -hmm. one, once I started to take his teaching seriously and it drove me to do justice and to love myself and my neighbor around me, I'm like, well, he did influence the way I live and think. And I'm a person of faith because I'm spinning around in a ball that I don't know where that came from or where it's going. So I'm just like, that feels right to me. Faith in what? I'll never be able to tell you. But like, but that like sounds to people are like, oh, you're an agnostic then. I'm like, sure. People are like, oh, you're a Christian then. I'm like, no, but sure. If that's what you want to think. Mm -hmm. So it's like such a freeing place, right? To mm -hmm. now be in this freeing and so unsettling that you're just yeah. untethered. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It, it was nice. I know why it's so appealing to our human brains to have such certainty and the community around that and to not question was wonderful mm. it was really great to not have to think about it we have so many things that we have to think about in our lives too so to have something that you didn't have to think about you just had to listen and believe and then try to live it out yeah. that was easy that yes. was really easy so of course we didn't leave any of that because we you know we're pursuing something easier right you know it wasn't like oh you're on the straight and narrow and now you're heading down this <laughs> like chosen the broad road yeah like it's so just because you want to sin and do all these things um no it's not easy <laughs> it's not it's harder it's yeah, harder it's so much harder <laughs> yeah but also better and yeah more yeah. honest Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.